Good morning, everybody. Good morning from Interact Studio. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the folks in the Zoom room and howdy to the folks uh, watching YouTube as well. We're really happy you're here. This is Human Touch, and we talk about authentic people who are just doing amazing work. Certainly, Kathy Izzard fits that bill, if there ever was one to fit one. Author, speaker, entrepreneur, Kathy writes books for all of us to remind us to dream big and do good is her handle. She believes that we're all much more powerful than we know. Uh, it's one reason we're such good friends with Kathy. She's a, a good friend to interact. We're proud to have been a part of her early beginning and in coaching her as she came out with her first books, but she doesn't need any coaching anymore. So she's, she's pretty much um, okay in that department. Kathy, good morning. Good morning, Lou. Before we get started, I, I want to ask you, who told you exactly that you can do anything, really anything? And what has that meant to your journey? Uh, that was my dad. Um, I was raised, um, well, my, both my parents, but my dad in particular, I was raised in El Paso, Texas, one of three daughters. And um, you can guess my age growing up in the 60s and 70s. That was a time that maybe women were just raised to think about having a family or, or being a wife. And my dad thought all of that was really important. But really what he wanted to talk to us about was how are we going to leave the world a better place? How are we going to do something that mattered in this world. And he used to always tell us, you can do anything, really anything. And I, I think for a long time, um, for many years, I, I found that kind of paralyzing because I wasn't sure how to live up to that. That was a, a pretty big um, state of confidence that my dad had in myself and, and my two sisters. So I think for, for a long time, I, I let it kind of hold me back and not do things because I wasn't sure what was big enough to live up to his dreams. But eventually, um, I, I found it empowering. I could hear his voice in my head. I could hear his, his confidence. And I actually think that was the second part of it. My father died young. He died at 63 of, of cancer. And so it was kind of a two-part um, encouragement in my life. One, that, that I could do anything, really anything. But also that just the knowledge that we're only here for a short time. And so we need to do things that matter in the, in the time that we have. So I think his confidence in me and, and also the fact that his life was fairly short um, have kind of pushed me and inspired me and given me the confidence to, to try things. I've heard you say that each of us has this inner voice or whisper. And I wonder if you could tell us, is that connected to your calling and and tell us a little bit more about that yeah absolutely i wrote about that in my book the hundred story home and in fact i'm working on a new manuscript right now that that really centers around that idea because i've talked to a lot of people now and i'm not crazy i'm not the only one who has these these inner whispers of calling in fact everyone has them there i'm not special or chosen um, no one who has them are we we all have them just some of us choose not to listen. And I think that's because that inner voice, um, when it's telling us to do something or to talk to some person or to, or to try something different, it's always um, unexpected. Um, it's uncomfortable. Um, most likely it's inconvenient because it's not what you were planning to do right now. Um, I know for in my life, it made me 
asked me to do things that were, I felt unqualified to do. But at the same time, it was very insistent. So I either had to pretend I never heard it or, or to try. And I, I think those are kind of the parameters when I'm talking about a whisper, that it's inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, it's unexpected, and we feel unqualified. But as I've listened over the years and as I've listened to other people who've listened to their whispers, I think it's always like this inner compass that's pointing us to our true north. And so I've, I've listened to it on all kinds of things now from quitting my job in 2007 to house people who are experiencing homelessness to, to writing books. I never planned to be an author. I, I certainly have, have written some very personal things and put them in the world. And again, I was following a whisper that that was gonna be a good idea even though it felt um, completely crazy at the time. And I do think that, that we all have these, that, that we have something that comes along that, that points us in the direction that we're meant to, to go. And even if we can't see it ourselves, that our inner voice, our soul is, is pointing us towards our calling and we can choose to listen or you can pretend you never heard it. But I would uh, encourage everyone to start, start listening and then start following because it, it certainly has pointed me in the right life path. So what advice would you give someone who is beginning to hear that whisper, but is really struggling with self-doubt about how to take the first step? Well, probably uh, three pieces of advice. The, the first one is that self-doubt is, is everyone. We, we all have it. You are not special to have self-doubt either. We, we all have it. And in fact, Lou, um, you are an expert on that. If you haven't watched Lou's talk on the imposter syndrome, her TED talk, um, that will help you with your self-doubt. Um, but just kind of know that's, that's part of the game. We, we all have self-doubt. I don't, I don't think we all have inner confidence. Um, but I think that's part of my second piece of advice um, if something feels a little crazy and you don't feel qualified, isn't it crazy or not to try? You know, just like on, on that first question, we, we talked about life, life is short. You know, this is, this is not a dress rehearsal. There's no do-overs. So are you going to be, you know, sadder at the end of your life that you tried some, some pretty outrageous big things? Or are you going to be sadder that you lived a very safe, comfortable bubble life and, and never gave anything a shot? And I think that's part of my third piece of advice is that we are all capable of so much more than we imagine. Um, and I think part of that has to be with not only believing in yourself and something bigger, but also putting yourself in a community of people who are also wanting to dream big dreams and do big things. Certainly, I didn't you know, work on housing by myself. I did not write books by myself. I did not work on Hopeway by myself. Um, I did not build women, faith, and story by myself. Everything I've done in the last 15 years, I've done in a community of people who are also wanting to dream big and, and do good. So dream a big dream and invite others to help you. Um, and I think you will find that you're capable of much more than you imagine. So this might seem like a really simple question, but I wonder if you could give us your thoughts about this. Is doing good for others connected to the success in your own life and how so? Well, I, I think, yes, I, I believe doing good is, is part of, of, of 
I guess what we would call success in life, but maybe not for the reason that you might think. I, I think some people think of doing good as a, as a transaction. Um, and then so, okay, if I do good things, maybe I'll write my ticket to heaven or I will then work my way out of any bad things that might happen to me in life. And I don't believe either one of those are, are true. I think doing good is the way that we not only learn about others, but that's really the way we come to understand ourselves. And, and understand that calling and, and what we're meant to do. I don't think you can know much about yourself when you're just focusing on your own life and your own world. And certainly I learned so much more about myself and my world when I quit my job and went to go work for the Urban Ministry Center and Roof Above in 2007. Uh, it, was pretty, um, it was pretty hard to have a bad day when you're around people experiencing homelessness, right? There wasn't much in my life that I could really feel bad about or get down about when I'm with people who've, who've lost everything. But on the flip side, from those same people, I learned so much about strength and hope and faith and resilience because it, it takes so much hope and so much faith to, to wake up every day when you've lost everything, right? So I, I really saw a new kind of, found a new kind of gratitude for my own life, but also witnessed a type of hope and faith that I have never seen before. Um, and so I, I wrote about in the hundred story home, I, I think there's kind of two ways, um, two important things to live our life of doing good and, and loving well. Um, and, you know, life is short, so let's spend it doing things that matter with the people we love. And, you know, when you put it to do good, love well, then it's pretty simple. Oh, I love that. You know, in, in closing with you, or at least this part of our, our program, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the new book. You've been busy because not only have you done the new book, but um, as you mentioned, you've created something pretty spectacular with your daughter called Women, Faith, and Story. And I will tell the group about that. But, you know, tell us this, this third book. Why is it so special and what is it about? Yeah, the, the new book is called The Last Ordinary Hour, Living Life Now That Nothing Will Ever Be the Same. And um, I got to say, this one was a really strong whisper. It's not something I ever planned to write about, and I certainly didn't plan to publish it or put it in the world. But um, eight years ago, my husband, who was probably the, the healthiest person I knew, anyone knew, um, he had a catastrophic heart attack and almost died. And it wasn't because he had heart disease, but because he had rare disease. And we started living um, a life filled with rare disease that um, not only could he have another heart attack again, but it was most likely he would not survive that. And so it started a, a seven year walk really in, in a lot of fear and terror because I was wondering how I was gonna survive um, becoming a widow and a single mom to four daughters. And a friend of mine told me, she says, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna write about this and it's gonna help so many people. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm absolutely not gonna write about this. This is terrifying. And I know how hard it is to write a book and I would not want to relive this on the, on the pages of a book, so no. But eventually I, I came to see through some pretty strong whispers and nudges, I started writing for myself um, that was really cathartic and it was really helping me see and find gratitude, not for the fact that we had this rare disease in our life, but for the fact that it was causing us to make different kind of choices in our life. If, if my husband was only 
going to have this finite amount of time? Did he really want to spend it behind a desk or did we want to do some living? And so we started making different choices in our life based on the fact that we knew he didn't have much time or we expected he wouldn't have much time. So I started putting that into book form. And that is what I, I, I hope this book will be, that it doesn't take a heart attack or a rare disease in your life to wake up to the wonder in your life and recognizing that there are no ordinary hours, that every day is precious, um, every moment is a gift. And so that is what this, this new book is about. Oh, thank you so much. And listen, I'm sorry you can't be with us in person, but you have given us um, all the the heartfelt advice and the presence of Kathy that we uh, were looking for and love. So best to you and thank you so much. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, I was, thanks for having me this morning.